0: I'm just so thankful for this, uh, this anointing that's on Steve and his family and on this praise and worship uh, ministry, and we'll talk a little bit more about how important that is here today, uh, but I'm really glad to be here this morning. You know, and I usually don't get nervous when I speak to groups of people, but for some reason when I come to speak to this group, because you're my family, and I want to make sure that... I speak to impact your life rather than try, try to impress you, because I believe that what God has put in me, if I can articulate it to a way that you can receive it, it's going it's to change your life. It will take you from where you're at, and, and, and you may be doing well, but it's going to give you an even bigger boost, because God wants us to succeed. He wants us to succeed. He wants to be magnified on the earth. And... Let me get a couple of these props out of the way. I'm not real good with props. I need to practice this a little bit, don't I? Maybe I need a prop person to just kind of chase me around with my props. What do you think? People around the office here, they're always having to tell me where I left my coffee cup or a book or something. I'm leaving stuff lay everywhere, like the absent-minded professor, only I'm not a professor. But this morning, uh, Pastor... Wanted me to let you know that he he wanted to be here this morning, but he needed to be with his father. Uh, he uh, His father actually requested he come down and spend some time with him, so that's where he's at this morning. I think that's real important. And I'm, I'm really thankful that he has the opportunity to do that and be with his dad. And his dad wants him there. That's really an awesome, awesome thing. And I really uh, admire that family relationship that Pastor has with his entire family, with his his parents, and man, it seems like uh, every time you turn around, he's talking about a member of his family, and he's all, he just loves his family, and he loves us, and he loves you, and he cares about your well-being, and because he has a heart of God, and I believe God has our well-being at heart, and he wants us to inherit the promises of God. So today, uh, and before I I forget, uh, Russ had called, um, Russ Siegel had called, and I don't know if everybody knows, but Bernice was in the hospital. She fell and hit her head, and they thought they were going to have to do surgery, but from what I understand, right now, they're not going to have to do surgery. They're going to keep her for a few days and observe her and and, uh, take care of her that way, and we'll kind of keep everybody updated on that that situation as we go. But, you know, Pastor asked me to speak if I'd be prepared to speak the other day and you know of course, I'm always studying something, reading something and and praying and reading the Word of God and trying to stay in tune with with God and a lot of times you know you get so locked into your personal relationship with God, you forget about actually what God's calling you to share with the body of Christ. Sometimes I get a little selfish with what God's showing me and i and I get absorbed in it, and I don't prepare a message to, to share. and uh, But when he, he, he asked me, I thought, well, I, I think I know what I'm going to talk about. And while he was on the phone with Rob, uh, Rob t- said, uh, have me speak on persistence. And I thought, that's exactly it. That's what God had asked me to speak about. And being a, uh, a coach... And a speaker and a trainer, I understand how important persistence is. But I realize here just in the last, I got my shovel because we're going to dig some more ditches today, by the way. We're going to dig down into our minds and our hearts because you know what? There's more gold in the hearts and minds of people than there is in the earth. Sitting in this room right here, more ideas and, and thoughts and dreams than we can ever imagine. You know, the graveyard is full of people who went to the ground with their dreams still in their heart. Think about that. When we talked about before about the dash between the year you were born and the year you leave this place, and that little dash represents everything about your life. When a stranger walks up and doesn't know you or doesn't know anything about you, that's all they know the year you came and the year you left. And of course, God remembers us and we're with him. But when we think about that dash, what does it, what is it really going to represent? Did I live out my life the way I choose to live out my life? Did I live life on my terms? Did I live life in a way that's going to add value to the people that God's placed me with? I want my dash to say something, don't you? I want to look back and eternity, look back and see where I, my footprint was at, the lives I've, I've affected, the lives I've impacted. And I think we all have, could look back, if we took time, we could find, uh, find our footprint somewhere, but sometimes we get caught up in life and, and uh, we get busy and we forget our dreams. So there's four words I want to talk about today, I want to talk about focus, if you remember. When I first came here, that was the, the message that God had given me. The fir- at first, when I first came here, it was a 21-principle system to keep me, keep me on track with my personal relationship with Him and my personal growth with my life. The second word is harmony. Now, we spoke a little bit about that the last time that I was here and how important it is to be in harmony with God. And sometimes how we can get out of harmony and not realize we're out of harmony until our life starts to fall apart. And sometimes parts of our life begins to just fall apart. It might be our finances, our relationships, our spirituality. Some of those pieces might be just begin to feel like they're disintegrating. And we can track it back to we're not in harmony with God in those areas. We can think we are. We can get caught up in the doing doing what we think a Christian should do instead of being what a Christian can be. And when we be what God called us to be, when we realize it's not my life that I'm living, it's his life I'm living, that gives me confidence and power to live and do what a Christian should do. And then when I do what a Christian should do, I'll have what a Christian should have. But sometimes we get caught up in life. Life hits us and we lose our way. So, the third word is resonate. Now, this is the word God dropped in my spirit this past week. And I thought, how does resonate and persistence, what do those two things have in common? Well, I, over the weekend, I'm talking to God, and I'm, I'm uh, locked into worship with Him and talking to Him, and He begins to piece it together. So, pray for me right there, I'm serious, pray for me that I can get this articulated what he dropped it into me. And the fourth word, of course, is persistence. Now, what the Lord has shown me about focus, why well, he brought that back to my heart again, was he says, I want to take you back to the foundation. Now, let me tell you what focus is, okay? Let me remind everybody, in case you, you probably forget, because sometimes I forget the pieces, I have to go back and, and look at them myself, but FOCUS is an acronym, and F stands for foundation. If you don't have a firm foundation, if you don't know what you believe, you don't know what you stand for, your life just, you just kind of let life come to you instead of you going after the things in life that way God wants you to do it. And we'll come back to that one. Fundamentals, feelings, forgiveness, and failure. Now, those are five parts that God showed me I have to be aware in those areas, have a conscious awareness in those areas of where I'm at and how I'm supposed to be living my life in those areas. Are those areas in harmony with God's Word, what the Spirit of God's telling me, what He wants for my life? O is for objective. What's your goal? Do you know what you're even here for? 98% of the world, when you ask them, what do you really want? What do you think? Your purpose is—they can't nail it down. We talked about that last week. Hopefully, or last time, hopefully we've thought about that some more. And sometimes it's so general. I just want—I just want to be happy. I want to be a good Christian. But we don't know what that looks like, what that sounds like, what that feels like, and we begin to compare ourselves to other people. And then when our lives don't match what we think it should be. Then we feel disappointed in ourselves, so we're always off balance. Who am I? What did God design me to do? What's my goal? What's my dash supposed to say? So we got objective. Next we got obstacles. Even when you know what your objective is for your life, there's going to be obstacles, especially when you know what your goal is because the enemy is going to come after you full force And I used to get so sick of hearing people say, Well, once you get saved and you know Jesus Christ, the devil's coming after you, buddy, you better get ready. But scare me to death. So I just go backslide and I go live for him for a while. But it doesn't have to be a scary thing. If we know what our goals are and if we learn how to deal with them. Because the devil does not want any of us to grow up and mature and realize, fully realize who we are. You know why the devil hates us so much? Because God created angels, and then he created us, and then he told the angels to serve us. Look it up in Hebrews. He made us a little lower than the angels, but he told the angels to minister to us. So Satan says, I'm not serving those people. I'll just rise up and they have to serve me. Remember the scripture which talks about Lucifer rose himself, rose up and tried to get... uh, become above God he does not want to serve us he wants us to serve him but if we understand that truth and we stay in tune and in harmony with God and we let the word of God resonate through our spirit we are victorious so we got objective obstacles overcoming learn to be an overcomer never never be a victim always be an overcomer And the fourth O was ownership. Take responsibility in every area of our life. If we don't take responsibility, if we look for reasons outside of ourselves to blame on our situation, our circumstance, we're stuck. We'll never get past it. So taking ownership is critical to say, you know what, this happened to me. It really wasn't my fault, but it did, but I'm not staying here. Too many people in life get stuck there because well, my, my mom and dad did this, my grandparents were this, my, my, my teacher did this, my coach did this, my boss did this, and I'm stuck. I'm stuck because of them. Well, you know what? You're stuck because you choose to be stuck. Because once you become aware and able to make a choice, you can always make a choice. You can make a change. But we, it's easier to lay blame. It's tougher to take ownership and say, no excuses. Excuses are not going to work. So it's critical. C was for clarity. If you don't know what your goal is, what your life is supposed to look like, how can you ever get clarity? It's always looking muddy. It's always, our choices aren't clear about what we want to do with our lives. Every decision we make, we second guess it. We're just not real sure. And if we don't have clarity and we don't know what we're really supposed to do, the next one is commitment. How can we commit to something with all of our heart and all, all of our might? We're just always on the edge of maybe running or finding something different, or this is not it. And we spend our life jumping from thing to thing to thing and never really finding that one thing that, that makes, our, makes us brings us joy and fulfillment. Then next comes communication. Once we realize who we are and what we're supposed to be doing, our communication has to improve. I have to learn how to be a better listener, a better speaker, be able to articulate what I want and what I need, and be able to hear what you want and what you need because God calls us, calls us, called us to serve each other. It ain't all about my life. It ain't all about your life. It's all about all of our lives together. So I have to become a better communicator. Because if I'm going to get anywhere, I'm going to need people. And if I'm going to need people, I need to respect people, love people, value people, and hear their heart too. The next is character. We're going through this process. God is always developing character in us. You was for unity. Teamwork. We can't be a team If we don't respect the team, if we don't know the team, if I don't know my part on the team, I'm always going to be trying to do somebody else's job. That's going to disrupt the team. So if I know who I am, I know what my gifts, my talents are, my ability and my calling, I can get locked into my job, and then I can assist you to do your job. I'm not going to do your job for you. We work together. But if we don't know who we are, we're always trying to do somebody else's job. Causes a lot of confusion. And then you was for understanding. You know, we can know something and not know it. I can know a truth or a fact, but if I don't understand it, I'm never going to gain the wisdom to apply it. I love Louis. He's, he's a Proverbs man. What he said several months ago, about understanding and, you know, uh, with all your getting, get understanding. He talked about how you apply the knowledge and assimilate that knowledge and apply it in a way so you can understand it and have wisdom. So what I'm realizing is, and this is where persistence comes in, the more I know who I am and what I'm supposed to be doing, the less stuff I need to know. And the more concentrated... I can become on the stuff I do need to know. And when I need to know it in a way that God wants me to know it, I have to understand it. Because what's the point of having it and knowing it if I'm not going to apply it? And living in an information age where we're at today, it's so easy to, to try to learn everything and all this information coming in. And we can become so confused about what God wants us to do and what we want to do with our lives that we just get stuck. What am I supposed to do? Well, I know one thing. I'm called to speak. So I need to work on my speaking skills. I need to learn how to articulate better. So I need to practice in that area. I don't need to be working on a computer. I just hired Evan to build my website the other day. I've got a resource that I've paid for the last four years, uh, monthly, a subscription on how to build a website. Why am I trying to build a website? I need a website. But do I need to learn how to build the website? No. Nah. I'm not going to build one after mine's built. So why do I need to know? I need to bring that to a guy who wants to do it. It was a revelation to me. is get it off your plate. Get busy on what you're supposed to be doing. I've got goals for 2019 God told me you kind of to have to have some knowledge and some understanding and understand it in such a way that you can communicate it so simply that anybody can get it and if I can't do that what's the point of knowing it so why am I trying to build a website give that to the guy who wants to do it so even though I study this stuff and I learn this stuff I'm still ha- I still struggle with that because I'm human get it off our plate alright where was I here? Understanding, okay. Yes, very important. This, talk, this is this is this ties right into what I just said. Streamline. If we don't know what we if we don't know what we want, if we don't know who what we're supposed to be do, doing, how am I ever going to streamline my, streamline my life to make it more effective? Works in every area of your life. If you have a job at work a role at work, and you have a hard time getting your job done, you have to come back and prioritize. The important things on top, 80% of your time goes to those top two or three things on your list. It's called the Pareto Principle. Focus on the most important things and delegate the rest of it. Either do it, delegate it, or dump it. Get rid of it. So you begin to streamline, and it gets easier to streamline when you realize that's not what I'm supposed to be doing. Next is S for strengths. Romans chapter 12 talks about seven motivational gifts. Now, we call those spiritual gifts. So we get spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and these seven gifts in Romans chapter 12, confused. They're not the same thing. In Romans chapter 12, he speaks of seven gifts that everyone is born with. And you have a leaning toward certain ones in that list. You don't have to be a Christian to have one of those gifts because those gifts are administration, speaker, uh, teacher, compassion, uh, mercy, giving. I'm leaving one out here, but you get the gist. Everybody operates in one of those gifts, and some of them, two or three of them. And sometimes, if you're like my wife, you operate in all seven of them to a degree that's really close. It's kind of hard to discern which one it is because she realizes now that she's a coach, she's never going to excel really high in one of those because she excels in all seven. So that makes her more capable, more able to come in alongside somebody who does operate high in one of those gifts and coach them without threat of ego or self-esteem. So over the course of a few years, she's come to that realization I saw it years ago. She finally just saw it here not too long ago. So we got streamline and strengths. Next is scoreboard. If you know what the score is, how are you going to make adjustments? Where are you at in life? What, what, what phase of life are you in right now? What, what kind of results do you have right now? What kind of results would you like to have? What kind of results do you actually have? If we don't take time to think about those, how are we going to make proper adjustments? We have to check, and it's, it's painful sometimes. We avoid it. We just hope it gets better. Keep wishing it gets better. And you know what? God's saying, I wish it would get better too. But something's off. And we'll get to that in a second. Next is sustainability. Now, I'm a leadership teacher. I'm always looking at systems, looking at teams, and I'm looking at who's the third man in line. I'm not so much concerned about you. I'm I'm, I'm concerned about 10 years down the road. Where do you want your business or your ministry to be? What are you doing now to prepare for 5 or 10 years down the road? who you're equipping and empowering to carry on while you're not there. What kind of team are you building? What kind of leaders are you raising up? Because I know, more than likely, you can have a great team, you can have a great business, you can have a great anything, but you don't, if you don't have someone to pass the baton off to, it can be gone like that. It happens all the time. Business is open. As soon as the person who had the business leaves or dies, Business is gone. You think, wow, that was a great business. Well, they took it with them. That's a difficult job. So, sustainability is important. And finally, S for service. Because guess what? Leadership is servanthood. We had the greatest example of a leader when Jesus came and walked the earth. We had the greatest example. Of a servant when Jesus come and walk the earth. They walk hand in hand on it. It's contrary to the way the world operates. The greatest businesses and greatest organizations have got this principle down. And it may not necessarily be Christian, but they understand the power of servanthood. That the leader serves the leadership team, which serves the team which serves the customer or the client. So if you notice in that system it's 21 parts was foundation, got to get it right, right in the middle of it, and the C was courage. It takes an extreme amount of courage to say, I need to change. There's something in my life I've got to take take inventory of, I need to change it. And I've got to get busy changing it if I want the results that I say I want. And finally, the tailpiece, the bookend, is service. The more I know who I am, the more clear I know who I am and what I'm supposed to be doing, the better I'm going to serve. If I don't know who I am and I'm trying to serve you with some, something that God hasn't given me or equipped me with, I'm not going to serve you the way God designed me to serve me. And guess what? My joy, my fulfillment, all that's wrapped up in that. My self-esteem, my self-worth, my, my value, How I feel about myself, how I feel about my life is all wrapped up in how well I can serve somebody else. So how important do we think it is to get our foundation right? Pretty important, isn't it? Now I'll get into some notes. That was the opening. No. Um, So we said we were going to talk about harmony. And, you know, Jason, you're a you're an engineer, and you could probably explain this a lot better than I could. But when something's out of tune, something's out of balance, it can cause some major problems for the entire system. Can let's take take for instance. Let me give you this. I don't know if I can illustrate it good enough. Good enough. But you may have a car that's got a bump going down the road. you have got a, got a bump, and you get out and you think, well, my tires out of line. You get your tires lined back up. Three months later, it's doing it again. Got this shimmy going on. Well, he didn't balance my tires right, so you go back and you get them balanced again. Pretty soon your tires wore out and you buy new tires. When maybe you hit a chug hole pretty hard and you bent your axle. And if that axle is in there and it's turning, and you can't see it turning, but it's turning, it's got a little, it's out of balance, the whole car begins to shake and shimmy. And you begin to deal with symptoms don't we? we? begin to deal with the symptoms, the, the, the screws working loose in the doors and, the, and, and stuff starting to work loose on the car. You know, I went, when I got my car uh, last year, it had a few little issues with it. I took it to the, to the uh, mechanic to have some things done with it and while he's got it on the rack, I'm looking underneath and there is a, two bolts just laying up there. And my air conditioner, is just barely stuck on. Something caused those bolts to work loose. And there's a little shimmy in the front end of that car. It's been wrecked. and I didn't know it when I bought it. So something, something's out of tune. So I've got to keep an eye on that. As long as I've got the car, I've got to deal with symptoms or take it and get it fixed or trade it. But our life is that way, too. Do you remember, I think I've shared this. Uh, Lewis, will you pull up the Wheel of Life image in our training we uh this is one of the first things i do i hand this to, to folks i say okay let's, let's let's assess your life you take this wheel and rate how you feel about your life in these particular areas and you can see how you can you can put it in the categories that you want with uh 10 being the outside circle completely filled in with zero being the center. And you look at this wheel and you probably say, well, this person's got about a four in spirituality, so they got some problems. They're aware that their spiritual walk is not where it needs to be. And their home life is not where it needs to be. And maybe their money is not where it needs to be. And we can look at this wheel and become so discouraged and begin to think, okay, I'm going to start working on my money. I'm going to start working on my, my home. Which one do I start first? And you run over here and you begin to work on this. And you're doing pretty good. And next thing you know, you look back over your shoulder and something else is out of line. And you run back over here and you start working on that. And pretty soon you just become overwhelmed and you give up. You think, you know, it is what it is. It must be fate. This must be, must be my lot in life. Life ain't perfect and we settle back. And we don't persist. And this is where the word persist co- comes in. I want to talk to you about persistence. If we try to persist at something that's fruitless and futile, we'll quit. We'll, get, we'll lose hope. We'll give up. And when you look at this wheel, and you look at those areas, and if we're all the time trying to fix all those areas, and we're running from spot to spot trying to fix those areas, we will wear ourselves out. Because you know what? We weren't designed to fix that. God was. So when I get in harmony with God... He begins to minister in those areas. He begins to do things that I didn't even know I needed done. But we become so busy and so distracted that we hit those chug holes in life and we get our eyes off God and we, our axles get bent a little bit and we come out of harmony. Next thing you know, we got this little shake, this little shimmy. Things like, oh, it's going to get better. Seems to get better and all of a sudden, all of a sudden something else breaks down. And then all of a sudden, The kingdom of God is not operating in my life because what is the kingdom of God? Peace and joy, righteousness in the Holy Spirit. My peace gets gone. Once my peace is gone, my joy ain't working too good. And all of a sudden now, I'm starting to question my relationship with God. God must be mad at me. I must have done something wrong. God must be punishing me. He's trying to get my attention. Our thinking gets screwed up because it was, it was screwed up from the, from the beginning. God designed us for fellowship. He didn't design us to go sit on a mountaintop and, 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 and pray and do yoga for 10 hours a day to have a relationship with Him. Now, there's power in sitting and meditating and thinking on the Word of God and calming yourself, the spirit down. Everybody should do that. That's the first thing we should do in the morning when we get up. I told you about Dr. Leaf, Dr. Caroline Leaf, and I sent four videos to a lot of folks in here, and if you want me to send you those videos, I would love to. She's a cognitive neuroscientist who's a Christian who's gone around the world, 46 Sundays out of the year, teaching the body of Christ how to make their brain work right. She's written several books called Switch on Your Brain, Perfect You, and the last one that we read was called Think, Learn, and Succeed. Now I've read it and it's pretty scientific and it's pretty, over, pretty much over my head in some of these terminology she uses but I get what she's talking about. That God designed us to succeed. He wants us to succeed but our thinking is not right. How we think about God, how we think about ourselves, how we think about the things in our life, they're not right. If they were, we'd all be succeeding, wouldn't we? Are there some areas in your life that you feel like you're failing at? There's always going to be something in there. But you know what? What I realize, the more I worry about it, the more I stress about it, the worse it gets. And then pretty soon my wheel's really out of balance. So what do I do with it? I come before the one who can fix it. And I acknowledge Him. I get in harmony with Him. I begin to meditate on His Word. I begin to quote His Word. I begin to repeat his word when all else fails and I I don't feel like it's working I keep doing it I persist and it breaks every time because I live in a physical body I live in a fallen world and I have a real enemy who wants to stop me from realizing everything that God wants me to do and have and be and he's doing the same thing to every one of us and if we're not aware of it, how do we deal with it? Once we are aware of it, what are we going to do about it? And am are going to learn how to think? Well, she proves through science the power of a thought and how a thought re- actually rearranges our brain. And we're giving ourselves brain damage. That's no joke. We're giving ourselves brain damage. Who's got one of these? I put a little timer on my Facebook post to tell me how much time I've been on Facebook a day, and it tells me every day, you've been on your 30-minute limit. And I think, I ain't been on 30 minutes. Someone told me one day that they were on theirs for eight hours and didn't realize it. Eight hours. And I thought, wow. But then I thought, well, that's ridiculous. But then one day I realized, as many times I've been on that Facebook And I get on, put quotes and posts, things like that. But every once in a while, I get caught up reading, reading the posts. When my buddies get on, make a post, and I'll I'll read it. Next thing you know, I'm watching a hundred thread comments that's all negative, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa! And I catch myself, and pretty soon I feel like somebody just threw up on me. And I thought it's that easy, and I know better. So what kind of limits do I put on this thing? so that I get more in tune with God. And I got in a habit of going home in the evening and turn on a little house on the prairie for two hours. I ate my dinner. So through Dr. Leaf's teaching, she, she had four videos, and I think I shared this before. And on the fourth video, she said, I'm going to get to this last video. It was an hour long. She said, we're going to do a seven-minute exercise. And I want to take you through it. And she said something right before that. She said, God wants to change your situation and give you power and put you in the driver's seat of your life. He wants to put you in superposition, she called it. A position where you can observe what you're thinking about, what the Holy Spirit's saying, and old thoughts that are popping up in your out of your mind, out of your subconscious conditioning. I thought, how in the world do you do that? She said, I want you to do something. She said, I want you to stand up, get uh, somebody's hand if there's somebody in the room. So Terry and I grabbed hands, and she said, I want you to think of a problem. Let the Holy Spirit bring up a problem you know you've got, and let him define it for you. So within a minute, she said, but all the while, she says, I want you to do something. She said, it's going to feel silly. She said, but I want you to do it. She said, I want you to thank God for doing that. I want you to thank him. So I'm thanking him. we got our eyes closed and we look like a couple goofy people in the living room in front of a TV holding hands, but I'm doing what she told me to do. Thank you, Lord, for revealing this to me. And all of a sudden, it came. And she said, I want you to ma- imagine with your imagination that you just placed this in your hand. So I took apathy, apathy was pulled out of me, and I put it in my hand. And I walked over, and she says, now I want you to imagine you're walking to his throne. She said, I want you to lay it at his feet and thank him for revealing to you that's the thing that's been holding you back. So I imagined I walked over and laid at his feet. She says, now isn't that awesome? She said, now praise him. She says, when you thank him, he hears you. When you thank God, he hears you. He responds to gratitude. She said, but when you praise him, he walks with you. So I began to praise him. And I really felt it. It wasn't, it wasn't manufactured. I began to just imagine him. She said, no, don't pick it back up. She said, just back away and lay it at his feet. And all this imagination is going in my mind. You think this is silly. You know, I'm just having a little daydream or whatever. But she says, imagine it. She says, now back away and continue to praise Him. And pretty soon I was worshiping Him. And she says, and when you worship Him, when you enter into worship with God, in one instant, He turns your situation. He turns it. That's how God operates. And you think, how important is praise and worship? How important is praise and worship? When you think, I'm just coming to praise and worship. It's good, I like songs. But when we really understand the power of it, when we walk through those doors and we come in with a thankful spirit, and we, I'm going to come and thank the Lord today. Even when my situation is bad, even when the situation looks horrible, I've got something I can thank Him for. I've got something I can thank Him for. And I walk into the house of God with a thankful heart, and I thank Him, and I enter into praise with the praise and worship team who's spent hours and hours practicing to bring us in and usher us into the presence of God. You say, Well, I'm just in a building. God is here. He's in your heart. And begin to praise Him. And then, when we really entered into worship, Jesus said, We worship God in spirit and in truth. And I realized what I, Dr. Leaf had helped me do. She helped me to understand what it means to get in the Spirit. I chose to walk in the Spirit that day. I imagined what I can't see God, I can't tangibly touch Him. But does that make him any less real? He's real, isn't he? So we set our minds on him. We become. We become. We We come in harmony with him. We come in harmony with his goodness and his love for us. And then all of a sudden, things begin to change. And all of a sudden, you begin to get some revelation about what you need to do about those things in your life. And all of a sudden, when you're in that kind of frame, you start to realize that people in your life that are in tune with God too, are starting to say things that resonate in your heart. Hey, I'm studying that too. That's where I'm at. God's showing me some things about that. That's when we talk about resonating. A tuning fork. But that's what the Lord was showing me this week. He kept saying tuning fork, resonance. I'm like, what are you talking about? So I get busy thinking about, what are you talking about? So I can be in harmony, and I need to be in resonance With his what his will is for my life, because he's always speaking. God just doesn't step back and say, "Okay, I'll be here when you get ready." He's always speaking. It's up to us to enter in to find out what he wants us to do. So we have to persist. We have to persist to get in his presence. We have to persist to get the word in us. We have to persist to have our minds on him. We have to persist to remove distractions. Did you notice a little weight on the one? What come to your mind when you saw that weight? Is that some of us sometimes? We've got things in our lives that are just weighing us down. And and we're like, we're out of tune. When the Holy Spirit wants us to fall in line and fall in tune because he has wonderful things for us. God, the title of the message today was God's looking for some crazy people. He is, he's looking for some crazy people. He's looking for some people that will put their minds on him and the world's going to think you're nuts. And sometimes we have to tune them out. Well, Evan, you've got to show me how to use these things again, buddy. Evan keeps me straight here at the office, too, by the way. <laughs> it's a hard job, ain't it, Evan? So sometimes I have to tune that out and tune into him. Lord, what do you have for me to do today? What is it? And you know what? You know why he's looking for crazy people? Because crazy people don't care what other people th- think. They don't, do they? I don't care what you think. God's giving me a dream. I'm going to do something awesome. And people say, who do you think you are? What gives you the idea that you can do that? Because I serve an infinite God with infinite supply, and God only does things two ways: abundantly and perfectly. So when you tune into God, and you get crazy enough to tune into God and believe that there are no limits for your life. And that's why I mentioned focus today, because when we don't feel that and we don't believe that, I need to go back to my foundation. Now you need to dig some dirt away from that. Thing and, and, and get my foundations shored up because you know what? I have to know who God is. I have to know his nature. I have to know his goodness. And I have to know what he thinks about me. And when I tune into that, I don't have time to tune into the Facebook garbage. And when I do that, he shows me more. And I'm going to get in harmony with him. And, I begin to, and, and, and things begin to resonate. And all of a sudden, things and people begin to attract to me. It's called the law of attraction, and it's real. It's it it is an actual thing. When I am in resonance with God's will, and His goodness, and His infinite uh, supply and power, He begins to send people into our lives that add value to us. God drew me to you because you add value to me, and I want to add value to you. And God has people in your life He wants to draw to you that will help you and assist you, and that you can help and assist. So when you ask God, God, who is it that I can help today? The principle of sowing and reaping comes into play. Oh, there's my faithful servant who's willing to listen to me and do what I ask him to do today and help somebody. And you help him. And he sees your need and you say, Lord, I have a need. Working on that. Got somebody already coming your way. Got a blessing coming your way. Just hang on. Keep keep working. Keep persisting. Persist without exception, do not quit looking for ways to use your gifts and talents to serve God. Do not quit looking for ways to serve in the kingdom of God. Do not quit looking for ways to serve in your workplace. We're doing a wonderful little small group study called Work is Worship. And uh, it's, it's really good and it's great in the It makes you think about, you know, is my work worship? We had a a retreat here a few weeks ago, which kind of kicked it off. But it brings an awareness to you, Think you know, everything I do matters. My work matters. My family life matters. When I go home, the way I treat my family, it matters. So I have to have a mindset to persist, to let God change me and mold me and shape me into the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. And the more he does that, the less limitations I have in my life. The more I believe that, the bigger I can believe for my own life. Because it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And if God does everything perfectly and abundantly, and he called me and he loves me, then that means he must have something mighty big for my life. And he's got something mighty big for your life. But what stops us? I just want to share before I close some uh, things that cause us to fail when it comes to persistence the first thing is you know as a Christian forgetting who we are and not believing that God is on my side 100% that he's changing me just because no today feels like no today doesn't mean it's not going to be yes down the road can't be yes today until some changes happen. Just like in the focus system, 21 parts, some things have to change. I have to stop making excuses. I have to stop blaming people. I have to take ownership of my own life. I have to have character. I have to have integrity because I'm representing God of the universe here on the earth. And it's not about my ability to do that perfectly. It's about my willingness to allow him to work through me and change me. Now, my, my goal today was to get you to dreaming. And I don't think I've really done a good job of that. So I want, I want you to tell you this. God still has a dream inside your heart. If it was 40 years ago, it ain't went anywhere. Has God even went anywhere? It's still there. You think, what can I do with it now? Stop looking at yourself. Stop looking at your own limitations and start looking at God and say, God, I'm, to, I, I'm just going to allow you to do it. And I'm going to go and I'm not going to be afraid. Well, I'm going to be afraid, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to display courage. You do Courage is go, being afraid and go ahead and doing it anyway. Everybody's afraid. I was afraid when I got up on this platform this morning. I get amazed sometimes because I love to speak to people. When I get up on this platform, I get a little nervous. So I get afraid. But you are worth it. God's worth it. And I believe somebody in here has a dream in their heart. And I believe if you get in harmony with God, if you'll develop a system where you meet God daily, every day, and try to do it at the best time of your day. Mornings was not mine, but God's changed that. He wakes me up 5 o'clock now hey, Jesus, woke me up at 4 o'clock yesterday. <coughs> but anyway, it's a blessing because now I get up in the morning, I'm looking forward to that discipline. I wasn't looking forward to that discipline in the beginning. I don't like getting to 4 o'clock and reading this many chapters of the Bible and reading my declaration statements and listening to my videos and my... And my uh, Inspirational things I listen to. It's inspirational. Five o'clock in the morning, nothing seems inspirational. <laughs> but I put it in consistently, consistently, and by eight o'clock, I'm dancing. I'm dancing in the joy of the Lord because you know what? He says, "If you'll do what I tell you to do, I'll provide the joy and the peace." But He says, "Persist, without exception. Don't quit. Don't quit." He said, "Cause I got more." But there's some things you got to do. You're not earning them. You're not earning them. He said, you're positioning yourself. See, we don't earn anything with God. We position ourselves. And that's why self-discipline is so important to understand. That's why we we have to persist in it. But if we don't know what we want, and we put self-discipline in our lives, it becomes drudgery. It becomes hard. And we quit. And we think, Wow. Why do I feel this way? Every time I try to work and do th- the right things and discipline myself, I'm going to lose 20 pounds. I'm going to go take this class, and I go take it, and pretty soon I'm like, this, this, I don't even like doing this, and pretty soon we quit. Here's some reasons. Number one, failure to recognize and to clearly define exactly what you want. If you don't know what you want, it's going to be hard to build a system for it, isn't it? procrastination, with or without cause. I'm the world's greatest procrastinator. But God's moving it out because he took apathy out. He took apathy out, and I just realized the other day, man, I just started to weep when I realized it. He took apathy out and replaced it with persistence. And Rob and Frank and I are reading, doing a study, and we've agreed to read the chapter on persistence seven straight days. Seven straight days. On the third day, some things popped out, there, out of that chapter. I didn't get the first two, two or three times. And I've read that book several times. But because I committed to it and I'm doing it every day, some things popped up. I thought, oh, I needed that. Why didn't I see that before? And the Lord says, because you decided to persist. You're going to see some things. We give up too easy. Lack of interest in, in acquiring specialized knowledge. Once we find out what we want, we've got to get trained to do it. It may not be what we're doing currently. I may have to go take a class. I may have to attend a small group meeting. I'm going to have to get some specialized knowledge in that. If you do something for an hour a day, for five years, you'll be in the top 3% of the specialists in the world. Now think about it. An hour a day, seven hours a week, if we could do that for an hour, you'd be in the top 3% in your field. And what kind of money do those people make? Usually they make pretty good money, don't they? They have quite a bit of influence. So what is it you want? Can you afford an hour a day? Indecision, the habit of passing the buck on all occasions instead of facing issues squarely. The habit of relying on alibis instead of definite plans. Self-satisfaction. There's a little bit a little remedy for this affliction except you turn that over to the Holy Spirit. If you have addictions, some things out of your life that are out of line, you're giving your energy away. You're giving it away. There's seven energy fields in your body. It's been proven. I know we've heard these from the mystics, but it's actual fact. They photograph these different energy fields because there's seven glands in our body, major glands. And the three bottom glands in our body have to do with reproduction, eating and digesting, and ego and self-control. And they're all right here. The other four is up from your heart, your throat, and two in your head. Those are considered your higher self energy fields. When we operate exclusively on these bottom three, if we have sexual addictions, addictions, food addictions, any kind of addictions at all in those areas, we come out of alignment. We're not aligned the way we need to be. And we do. The energy flow that comes from God doesn't work the way it's supposed to. And that's why James said there is a sin that leads them to death. He didn't say you're going to go to hell for it. He said, but there is a sin that leads them to death. So if we have those things in our life that are drawing us out of God's will, we're giving that energy away. And we can come to church and we can read our Bible, and it's, it's just like I told George one day, so it's like the strobe light. We hear God. We never can get in resonance. We're like that tuning fork with a little weight on the side of it. So if that's an issue in anybody's life, just decide, God, I'm giving it to you, I'm, I'm done with it. Make up your mind, and he'll take it. But he can't get take it until we make up our mind. All right. Number seven, indifference. Number eight, the habit of blaming others. And we talked about that as far as ownership. Weakness of desire. Sometimes we have a weakness of desire because it goes right back to our foundation. Sometimes we think we're going to ask God for too much. How can we ever ask God for too much? Got a lot of pride there, boy. Think God's going to give you that? Why would he give you that? I was driving down the road the other day and the Holy Spirit speaking and he said, Take a man who's making $50,000 a year and a man who's making $20,000 a year. Most of the time, that $20,000 a year man thinks that $50,000 a year guy's making too much money. That's more than your share. It's more than you need. The $50,000 a year guy thinks the guy who's making $500,000 a year is making too much money. Nobody should have that kind of money. The guy who's making $500,000 a year is upset with the guy who's making $5 million a year. So where do we draw the line on What's right and what's wrong? So what the Holy Spirit told me was, he said, you ask for anything you want, but give me permission to clean your heart. Give me permission to clean your motives. Ask for it, but submit to me and let me clean your heart and your mind. That's all we got to do. So what's, what's too much and what's too little with God? It's all relative, isn't it? All right. Lack of organized plans. The habit of neglecting to move on ideas. I tell everybody that I coach: Have you a system to capture an idea? Sometimes that's the Holy Spirit speaking from way up here to you, an idea about something. So write it down. And if that idea is still exciting to you in a week, start to move on it. If it don't excite you in a week, ah, let that go. God never stops speaking. He's always, he's got great ideas. He's got things out here in the, in the supernatural realm that he wants to manifest in the physical realm. He wants you and I to do it. How do you think we learned how to fly an airplane? You think somebody just woke up one day and had the plans for that? All the great, how, what about the light bulb? You think that was a God thing or you think that was just a, de- a devil thing? Those are God things, aren't they? Inventions that add value to people's lives. God has those readily available to us if we'll tune into to him. All right. And I'm just going to jump down to the very last one, which I think is the biggest. That's fear of criticism. I stood on this stage right here about three years ago, and I told you I was going to ask God for a billion dollars. And the enemy kicked my tail after that. Now, what are they going to think about you? They're going to think you're a money grabber, ain't you? They're going to think you're all about the money, ain't they? And I had to decide, am I going to abandon that wish or that goal or am I going to fight through the feelings and the criticism? I could care less about the billion dollars. But there are communities and places in this world would love to have someone who had a billion dollars who bring industry, and the move of God into their community. Because you know what? People need jobs. They need food. They need a place where they can get rebuilt and restored. They need a place where they can have their hearts mended and their minds fixed. I'd like to have one of those on every continent in the world. And I'm going to need thousands of people to do it with. So that's going to take a lot of money, isn't it? So I don't think a billion dollars was enough. Because I've making it fine what I'm making now. Ain't making a whole lot, but I'm getting by. Doing okay, and I'm, I'm enjoying every minute of it. So I'm like Paul. I can do with a little, or I can do with a lot. I just want God to fix my heart so that when I do get the lot, the, get, do get the the large amount, that I use it the way He a- a- expects me to use it. That I become a conduit. Then I'm not here to accumulate wealth. I'm here to distribute wealth. And That's what God's called us to be. He didn't say I would give you the power to accumulate wealth. And hoard it up, he gives us power to accumulate it or to to gather it and distribute it and be a conduit because he wants to be glorified on the earth. So that's a big dream. And I believe if I live long enough, I'll see it happen. And I believe God's already working on the details. And I believe if I stay in harmony and I can resonate with his word and stay in there with the people who are believing that too. We'll see it to happen together. But I'm going have to persist. Are you persisting after your dream? Do you have a dream? If you don't have one, ask yourself why not. Did someone steal it? Did someone talk you out of it? Did you talk yourself out of it? Whose life would you change if you was able to? Think about it. Whose life would you change today if you had the power to do it? And how would you do it? It's going to take something to do that, isn't it? So think about your dream. And if you don't have one, ask God to uncover it. I know you got one. Everybody's got one. I think we were born with it. God said, I knew you before I formed you in the womb. He had plans for us. All right, so let's talk about... um, I was going to go through eight ways to develop persistence but I think we already know that it's going to take God and it's going to take deciding to develop, develop a habit of persistence but I want to, to, to share something with you before I do close that really was powerful for me to help me understand why I was stuck and why I didn't even know I had apathy in my life I've been here three and a half years I had a dream on a come have the dream but for most of the time, most of the time that I had free time I wasn't working on it and I realized something there was a problem there are seven levels of human conscious awareness and I want you to to listen to to this, I want you to question yourself do I have an area in my life that I'm operating on this level we all do at different times the first one is animal when uh, somebody cuts you (coughs) off in the in, the, in traffic and you wave at them and tell them your age or IQ, uh, you're operating at an animal level, aren't you? You're operating on the lower emotional state. And we usually come out of that for a few minutes and the bailes cuts us off before we get home. But we kind of pop in and out of that sometimes. But you know, there are people who never come out of that state. Life was not fair to them. Something happened. Some, somebody hurt them. And they decided to live out of a dumpster and live on the street. People who have PhDs and doctorates living on the street who have family within 10 miles of where they live. And you think, what causes a person to do that? I think that's living like an animal, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you say? The second state is mass awareness. And this is the the state where we get caught up in doing things we do and not really knowing why we're doing them. Uh, Paul Martinelli was my coach. He said, you know, for years his faith walk wasn't very, very good. He said, but when Easter come and Christmas come, they went to Mass. He was Catholic. He said every year. He said, didn't know why. Just the family always did it until he realized his faith was out of whack, just like the wheel. His faith was way out of whack. And he said, I was operating in animal awareness because I was going to church I didn't even know why. I wasn't getting anything out of it. Because of tradition and culture. This is where we kind of act like a sheep. We just do what everybody else does because that's the way they've always done it. Now God told us to be a sheep, but he didn't tell us to be a sheep to the crowd, did he? To the masses. He wants to be our shepherd. So if we follow him, we don't have to follow the crowd. Matter of fact, if we follow him, we're not going to follow the crowd. You're going to feel like you're swimming upstream sometimes. Now, the third level is the most dangerous level. This is the aspiration level. This is the one that says, you know, I think I'll go back to school and get me a degree. That's what I think I'll do. And your buddy says, you know what? You ought to. You ought to get some time off work and let them go do that. Or you know what, I think I'm going to lose 20 pounds this year. And they come along, yeah, you'd probably feel better if you did that. And we're always going to do something. I think I'm going to start me a new business. But seven or eight years ago, my son looked at me, and and my son was one of those straight people. He said, Dad, I love you. He said, but you've been going to start about 10 different businesses. Which one are you going to start? I said, like, ooh. I got bald right there, but man, it it kicked me right together. I thought, you know what? I've been talking a lot, and he's watching, and that's my son. I was in that level. I'm always going to start something, always going to do something. One of these days, one of these days. Now, sometimes a calamity happens or some kind of life-changing event happens, and we'll move out of that aspiration level because we have to, or because we get so disgusted that we decide, you know, I'm done. I'm making a change. And we move to level four, which is individual expression. This is where we begin to express ourselves uniquely. This is what I want. This is what I'm going to do. I've made a decision. And as soon as you do that, life starts throwing you curveballs. Everything comes in your face. Your finances start to suffer. Your relationships start to suffer. Everything seems to be coming at you. It's chaos for a while. And all that sent your way to stop you from fulfilling what you said you was going to do. Now, this is where persistence comes in. Now, we can always go back to the aspiration level. Could have been, should have been, would have been, if only, if only. Or we can go back to the mass awareness. Or if it's bad enough, we move back to the animal stage. And we just become bitter and angry and give up and go in and shut the door and become a hermit but if we persevere through this fourth stage and if our goal was worth it and if we decide to make up our minds, I'm not stopping until I get to what I said I'm going to get. All of a sudden, God starts to send in some divine providence. He starts to give you some favor. You start to move, you start to to move. Now you think about this, this happens on every level. When you're a Christian, you remember when you first become a Christian? How it, it was all as great, the joy, the peace. And after that kind of wore off, things began to get pretty rough, didn't they? Or am I the only one that had a rough time? Things began to challenge you to get you to turn back. I backslid half a dozen times before I finally got serious with the Lord. I did. I was a professional backslider. Because I wanted to until it got tough. Then it was easier to go back. So if we make it through this fourth level, if we set the parameters and we set our discipline and we stick to the discipline day after day after day, even when it doesn't feel good, even when I'm not seeing results, day after day after day, all of a sudden, an opportunity pops. And when preparation meets opportunity, that's when you get the experience. And when you get the experience... You get some more wisdom. You get some more knowledge. You start to learn. You start to grow. You st- and your life begins to change. You begin to improve in different areas of your life. Sometimes slow, sometimes in big giant leaps. But you stay persistent. You stay after it. You stay after God. You stay after His heart. You stay after your dream. You stay after your goals and you persist. And you go and you go and you go. And you get to that level, which is level six, which is experience. Now, once you get enough experience, you get to level seven which is called mastery, what I call maturity. You start to understand laws and principles in such a way because you've worked through them, you've seen them not only on that end, but you've walked through them. You understand what the law of cause and effect is, and you decide, I'm going to live on the side of cause rather than the side of effect. I want you to get that. We live on the side of effect more than we live on the side of cause. And God created us to be a causative being, not to be a being who was living under effect. He's given us power and dominion. And we fully grasp that, we begin to become the cause. And then we get to reap the effect. Does that make sense? So once you do that long enough, you start to realize it's, it's bad, but it'll improve. You start to understand the law of rhythm, ebb and flow. Ocean goes out, comes back in. God designed it that way. Good, bad, bad, good. It all operates off the same principle. You start to realize that. So when bad things really happen, it doesn't shake you to the core. You don't lose your mind and jump out a window somewhere or make a financial decision that's going to bankrupt you and your family. You stick to it because it's going to be okay. And when you get there and you're there long enough, you realize there's opportunity in the bad. If the market goes down, the real estate market goes down, and it collapses like it did in 2008, And you've been there long enough, you realize now's a good time to buy because in a couple years it's going to come back and I'm going to benefit from it. It's like that in every area of our life. We start to see the opportunity in the bad. We start to see the lessons in the failure. We don't see failure as something to stop us, but something to teach us and give us lessons. Seven levels. Where are you at in there? Do you know what your dream is? Are you going to persist? Are you going to go sleep? It's awful quiet in here. Well, I've given you what I believe God's given me to share with you. I I hope something in here speaks to you in some area of your life. What do you want to do with your life? It can't be too big. Don't be afraid to ask God for it. But don't be afraid to persist until you see it happen either. Okay? Why don't you stand with me? Steve, you all want to come up? <clears throat> Why you get your shovel out? Once you start digging down in your mind and in your heart, asking God what He's put in there so you can see it clearly, so you can set some goals and dream even bigger. So get your shovel out, keep digging. I didn't even get to use my other prop. But does everybody remember the story of blind Bartimaeus? Two beggars sitting outside of Jericho. Jesus walks by in the crowd and Bartimaeus realizes Jesus is in the crowd and he yells out to him, Jesus! Jesus! And Jesus calls for him to come to him. What does Bob Bartimaeus do? He's wearing a coat. In one of the versions in the gospel, he talks about a coat he was wearing. Why would he talk about a coat? It says because he threw the coat down. He threw the coat down and he ran to Jesus because he wasn't planning on coming back and getting that coat. He knew that if he got to Jesus, he's going to get to see. Why would he need a, a, because that coat symbolized a blind beggar. And he knew if he got to Jesus, he no longer would be a blind beggar. We don't have to be a beggar. We just have to get to Jesus. We have to get to him and grab hold of his, his heart and his mind and let him just speak into us and reveal to us who we truly are. We're not blind beggars. So once you get your dream and you get your desire that God's shown you clearly, throw down what you're doing and go after it. Let's pray. If there's one in this place today that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, who doesn't understand or know how much God loves you and desires for you to be in the family of God and to to bring your dreams forward, Just because you don't know Jesus doesn't mean he doesn't know you. He knows your heart. He created you. He formed you in the womb. And he put a dream and a passion and a desire in there before you could ever think, before you could ever choose. But today he's asking you to choose. Choose life. Choose him. If you don't know Jesus... With all eyes closed, just raise your hand, and I'll pray for you. I won't call you out. If you'd like to know Jesus, just raise your hand. I believe everybody in this place knows Jesus, and we know he knows us. So, Father, we just thank you, Lord, for the wonderful gift of your life. And God, so many times we come to you and we say we're going to give our life to you, but God, help us to understand completely what it means to receive your life, to trade our life for your life, and to, to live the abundant life that you've called us to, to believe and trust, to help us to understand what it means to grow and mature and, and to lift other people up and bring them into the kingdom and let them feel your love and know your love. So, Father, just consume our hearts and our minds today. Help us to walk in harmony with your will and your purpose and your will for our life, each one of us individually, working together in harmony. Let your word just resonate. Let the words that I spoke today touch the heartstrings of someone today that will make a difference, that they'll meditate and think on that, Lord, that you'll just reveal to them more about their own life and their own dream. Help us to be persistent, Lord God, to chase you to be a God chaser and just trust you for all the provision and supply that we ever need to live a life that glorifies you here on the earth. So, fathers, we go uh, leave this place today. Uh, Just remind us, Lord God, help us to become consciously aware that you're always with us, that you never leave us or forsake us. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.